Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Evening, everyone. Uh, welcome. Uh, we are, as promised, covering um, The Devil Rides Out. With that, wonderful music going on there. Um, and uh, yeah, it's one of my favourite films, so I'm always come out of that film just hyped and just. <laughs> so, Adam, I know you're as big a fan of the movie as I am. Yep. Chris, your first introduction into Hammer, uh, Dennis Wheatley, that whole 60s era of British horror, what did you think? Well, the biggest impact probably was Christopher Lee, because he played a very commanding um, and straight-thinking kind of a role, and uh, yeah, I think he took a lot of my attention. Um, possibly because I've only seen him I can't actually think of many other films aside from Star Wars as Count Dooku so yeah I, I thought he was really good um, his his sort of assistant was slightly amusing He's, yeah. I've not seen him in anything else that guy He well it's, it's weird um, the guy who plays him is um, he's a guy called um where is it? Uh, I did write it out because this is good. This is what we've been missing. Notes and shit. Yeah, he's well. You know, I'm sitting in the computer at work. Ooh. I've got to do something. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, the guy uh, Rex, mm. that, like Rex the, Van Rim, Rex Van Rim, which is just an incredible fucking name. Anyway, yeah. but he, the guy who plays him, is a guy called Leon Green, who I don't know if this is the reason, but he dubbed. Because oh, really? uh, Leon Green's Australian. Oh, okay. But the guy who's doing his voice is Patrick Allen, who is like just um, he's the he, he he's just like Mr. Voiceover. So I thought I recognised him from because of his voice. Yeah. yeah. And okay. yeah, because he um, yeah he was the because he's the narrator of the first series of the Black Adder. Oh blind! Yes. And, and then turns, yes. and then he turns up as the Hulk at the end. Yes. You know the 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 Prince Edmund's nemesis guy. Yes. The, yeah, the Hawk. 
Um, but then he, but he was the most amazing moustachian on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah. He's also in the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes as Colonel Sebastian Moran. Yes, the Moriarty's second commander. Yes, yeah, the um, um, uh, the empty house. But but like I say, that's the trouble. Is you watch it and you're going, oh right, you know, like I recognise him, but you don't because you recognise his voice and. In fairness, I don't think it's too bad a dub job. No, because you guys clearly never. Um, I've yeah. seen this film probably fifteen, maybe twenty times, and yeah. I've never noticed that the voice was dubbed before. Because so. I, I think, because I think it was just something. I, I think I was just aware of it because I was aware of Patrick Allen. Mm. Yeah, and I kind of when I then saw Patrick Allen in other stuff, I was like, like got... he don't, he, you know, he's really altered, <laughs> you know, because he's still quite. I mean, Patrick Allen's like a sort of more sort of. He looks a bit like Fluff Freeman, the DJ. Yes, and you know, and like you say, there's there's a series of fine moustaches in a lot of his roles, um, but he was the voice. Um, uh, the the two things that I am obsessed with Patrick Allen for are. He's the voice of Protect and Survive, the old um, government information film about nuclear yeah. fallout. Yeah. Um, with such hel- helpful hints as, uh, if you're outside during the fallout, cover yourself in a small gully or ditch. <laughs> when finished, wipe off the fallout <laughs> and proceed to your domicile. But, um, and he's also Smell of Reeves and Mortimer. Mm. Reeves and Mortimer. Yes, of course but, he is. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a weird thing because he's yeah. like a sort of yeah, because and like I say, longer the, the the actual physical Rex Van Ryn, I don't think I've seen him in anything else, and I don't know whether it's because he's Australian that they dubbed him because it wouldn't necessarily you know yeah. they're, they're sort of exactly. quite sort of English mm. sort of that's. Part was well, part sweet as well, but it's sort of yeah. I think I noticed it last time as well, just to go slightly off topic. No, um, Akakaka's lead singer <laughs> used to look exactly like him, which is why when he always does that very gothic man in a suit riding mm. around in a big limo and things, it always perfect. There's something about it that was just so hammer, and now I know what it is. It's because he reminds me so much. Of one of the main characters in one of my favourite Hammond, uh, despite the fact, obviously, they purposefully portray that yeah that yeah. image anyway in oh, their music. Yeah, but uh, well, on a, on a on a musical side note, of course, uh, Phantom has like Mike Patton and Buzz Osborne and Dave Lombardo is, is and Trevor Duns. Slightly more odd. It's yeah, that that's that's yeah. the sort of the for want of a better like sort of grind. Jazz, for want of a better expression, yeah, yeah. but that, but on but on the please. album, the director's cut. One of the things they do is uh, the Devil Rise Out, mm-hmm. and I they do a love fine job of that. Yeah. They do a great job of everything. That mm. Spider Baby uh, theme, Spider on Baby, yeah, just so much, just so many good ones on there. But the, yeah, so in my head, it actually sometimes gets. I I almost combine the two when I watch it now, so I get like the sort of I get the. Um, James Bernard score and Phantom is almost like overlapping it's in my Mike head. Patton's just crashing yeah, in. So it's just this sort of <laughs> so intense opening <laughs> credits when you've got that going on. 
need but, to make a note of that. Phantom is yeah, yeah, director's yeah, cut. Director's one of yeah, the best albums you. So that's all, the actual name of the album. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All it, it's it, just it's um it's all just theme tunes and soundtracks, isn't it's, it? It's from, the, yeah, it's the it's main themes from um so not necessarily all horror movies, but they're kind of just darker movies. So you've yeah. got like. You've got Spider Baby, you've got um, the Godfather themes on there. Rosemary's Baby? Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, stuff from a one of the scores for De Golem. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Like the old silent uh, horror. And um, Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me. Just... All really, with, really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, musically brilliant. With oh, Mike Patton Fear. just wailing over the top of it. Yeah, it's just harrowing voice. It's, yeah, it is what it's. It's it's bad to say because I, I love all. I love all fan stuff. Tomorrow, yeah. Oh well, that's that's what I'm driving home to. Yeah, I'm gonna so. load it up on Spotify as we speak. <laughs> Sorry, Phantom is spelt with an F or P O. Yeah, yeah. Because okay. um, that's actually a, that's uh, that's a. Uh, French series of I think it started off as novels um, and uh, Phantom As was like a sort of super villain um, before the idea of a super villain was he was kind of um, just this sort of criminal mastermind who could disguise himself and everything there are some silent Phantom As films which I bought years ago and they're pretty good actually But back, but back to the devil rides out. I like mm. what you were saying about like with Christopher Lee. Is weirdly enough, I don't think he's too in it. He's not too different to a villain, to how he portrays a villain. Yeah. Rather, like you say, it's still very commanding yeah. and still very, very abrupt. Yeah, you know, not having any mm. shit, mm. but. Literally on the side of the angels. It's like he does punch his friend out within the first yeah. seven yeah, but, minutes of the movie. Yeah, but he, yeah, but he's asking for it. He's, yeah, got, I mean, he's, got, he's got chicken in a basket. He's not offering them <laughs> any. And yeah, he no, he gets he gets what he's going for. You know, so I think that's fair. So, well, yeah, but it was interesting because I noticed you were both picking up on um, slight. Uh, what do you call them? Uh, bloopers esque. Yeah, something about a soft floor and now yeah. I wasn't picking up on anything like that, that and I think that's because that's, that's a testament not to it I yeah. think really yeah it's because I've, as I say yeah, I've yeah, seen like, it 15 maybe 20 mm. times so when I notice stuff now you just have to go oh have you noticed that yeah but it's because I've seen it so many and I, much and like with the Wolfman mm. yes much like yes. with the Wolfman yes. where we were like oh yeah he's you know he's like why is he a wolf and why is he not why is he a wolf man and sort of it, similar sort of stuff. Yeah. It's very strange. A, a film I've seen a dozen times before, but when you watch it with other people, you pick up on different mm. things. That's what I mean. Like, if I'd sat and watched this again tonight on my own, as I always do, yeah. I might not have noticed things mm. like that. Yeah. I think you watch it with a more critical eye when you're... Especially when you've built it up so much, which I know that yeah. I, I do. Which I, Yeah, if it's a film I love, I do get very excited and very animated about it. Mm. Yeah, and then when I watch it, I go, oh, I might have overhyped this now. It is a good film, but, yeah, when he threw him to the floor, you could definitely see the floor bounce as he hit it. Yeah. Which, again... But in fairness, I mean, Hammer couldn't afford a genuinely marble mosaic Satanist floor. Well, they had to move it to that later set as well, didn't they? Yes, exactly, yeah. I, I mean, the sets did look pretty good. I, th- I think weirdly enough it's like I think and I think it is almost it's Christopher Lee down 
because even like the like the sort of the circle of Satanists, because obviously there's only really Macarta and Tanith and Simon are the only ones who sort of have any exterior sort of yeah. you know they don't they're the only ones who have any sort of main part in it really that crazy duchess bitch as well oh yeah the couple. countess yes yeah but, um but yeah as you say apart from them they're all just a rebel in white garbs but which... everyone's committed yes do you know what i mean and i think that's hot that is the power of the devil rides out is no one is taking the piss everyone is like bang on and going for it and Absolutely, and as I mentioned off mic, that the uh, when you see the devil materialising, mm. that is, I, I know it's a little bit kooky, but it's still my favourite representation of the devil on film. I, there's just something about it that just uh, the one at the start. No, no, no not the, not, not the, the, the guy with the red pants head or the one with the, the one with the goat's head. The goat with Mendes, yeah. When you see him. Uh, sitting up on top of that mm. rock, cross-legged with the goat legs and the goat's head, and, but the, like the very human eyes—it just there's just something about that image that's just amazing to me. I love it. So, so, what's the backstory to the goat that came from the Bible originally? It's, it's Baphomet, isn't it? Which is he isn't—he wasn't originally the devil, but so they so they invented the devil. To give because they realised that people were seeing that there was no. Again, this is my religious history, mm. my actual <laughs> religious history, not you know, quote unquote religious history as it's taught by mm. the religious peoples. But as I believe it, that so there was always God, but there was nothing to threaten people with, and they'd see people acting like dicks and getting away with it. So they had to say, well, in the afterlife, it's going to be worse. So they had to have an antichrist in order to be a, a scarer of people to to put fear into them to put them back into church so they created a, an anti-god which is where the devil came from they picked him out in the old testament he was just he was a fallen angel but he was just a bit of a trickster and he'd try and sort of trick people into being bad without really being mm. a yeah the devil's more folkloric and yeah he got adapted he okay. got adapted as, as an opposite as an opposite to christ in uh, to god in christianity yeah um but the devil the devil's always because you've got stuff like the krampus is kind of the devil yeah uh, but again it's like that sort of folkloric trickster sort of thing and that's where you get things like um uh, like the even like stuff like the devil went down to Georgia where it's like you know he challenges you to a musical competition and stuff like that so there's a lot there's a it's not quite so sort of black and white as it's made by Christianity yeah and, in the and, last 1500 years or whatever they sort of focused on an evil deity and the face to which he was given was Baphomet, which is the yeah. The, well, but, well, the, there's Baphomet, which is because there's the aspect where the devil, where the devil is meant to be uh, male and female, and Baphomet is um, no, uh, like hermaphroditic uh, rather than androgynous, and but they have also taken elements of Pan, yeah, which is where the goat legs and to a certain extent, the goat head comes in, which is the concept of a fawn. But again, that plays into stuff such as sort of pagan representations mm. because it's a 
sort of highly sexed representation of nature almost mm. and part of Christianity's take on it is that man is above nature or should be above yeah. nature hence the yeah. reason why animals don't go to heaven because they don't have souls but we do mm. and similarly it's it's kind of in that same sort of ballpark I suppose and interestingly I know again like we were saying about noticing stuff that you don't notice before uh, the the ritual t- the ritual at the end which essentially gets reversed and doesn't yeah. happen um, I hadn't noticed it before but they are actually sacrificing to Set which yes. is the Egyptian aspect of Satan um, Set Sutek it's like it's just it's in the Egyptian pantheon it's kind of uh, it's kind of their Satan. Mm. Um, but obviously, I think that feeds into also the stuff like the 1930s um, obsession with Egyptology and things like that. Well, that's where and, it seems to be set, doesn't it? Yeah. More in the 20s well, and 30s, I mean, judging I've, by the cars and things. Yeah. So it's got to be the... Well, because I... Um, and the biplane. Because obviously, mm. like, so it's basically, essentially, like, Devil Rides Out is, um, an, was originally a novel by Dennis Wheatley, yeah. who was an ex extremely prolific author mm. and also I mean he's he did sort of dozens of books I think he's into the hundreds um, or certainly into treble figures how many did because uh, he and it wasn't just occult stuff he did thrillers he did historical novels he did biographies um, he was like he was like a sort of black magic Barbara Cartland <laughs> and sort of you know was sort of like knocking out one a fortnight at one point um, well see I was going to say that not a criticism, but it felt like a mystery, again, more than a horror. I think it's, yeah. more, it's, more, it's more like an adventure. On. Yeah, yeah, adventure. Like the 39 yeah. Steps or something yeah. like that. It's got that kind of daring do sort of yeah. thing. And actually, weirdly enough, because uh, although Duke de Richelieu is the, is like the main character, essentially, Rex probably falls more into the character of... That sort of a hero. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's much the one who's punching people. Yeah, he, just, you know, he's yeah. not like I've got, I've got two good fists, mm. some jolly good friends, and a I'm cricket not, bat. No, I'm, I'm not, not too worried about, about the details. Of yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, because and really, and yeah. So it's based on uh, the book by Dennis Wheatley, which was originally published in 1934, and um, was set. In the nineteen, like in 1934, yeah. it was actually set at that point. It came out, came out on, uh, near Christmas, 1934. Oh. Um, I knew that he'd written about um, the Duke de Richelieu in other books. Yes. What I didn't realise is actually uh, Devil Rides Out is the second book of eleven books. Blimey. And it's not just Duke de Richelieu because um, Rex is in all of them. Uh, Simon, obviously the um, yeah. the, the guy who gets caught up in it and they have to punch him out before uh, kidnap him. I did read one of the others. I read A Strange Conflict, which is very yes, similar, yeah. but the whole thing is fought on the astral plane. Oh, really? So they sort of astrally project. And it is yeah. fantastic. There's a, there's a scene in the book where he's having a fight with the dark entity at the time. Mm. That I don't think they quite know who it is. Um, but yeah, because it's on the astral plane, they keep changing animals. 
So oh, okay, he'll yeah. be fighting and he'll become a snake. So the other guy will become a mongoose. So he'll become a bear. So right. Become, and it, it, oh, it's insane. That's, that's so, that's, so I've, I've brilliant, not actually. read it in about 25 years. It was a very long time ago and it was when I was still struggling to read. But I remember it being so captivating yeah. that I absolutely stuck with it. And it was a brilliant book. I'd love to read it again. Because the, the, only the only other Dennis Wheatley I've ever uh, read... Actually, not, had read to me by uh, the actor Denham Elliott. <laughs> Fa- no, yes. I, I found an old talking book. Like it was like my dad had a load of old talking books from when he used to um, be doing like sort of long haul driving for work and stuff like that. So I had a load of talking books. One of which was The Haunting of Toby Jug. Yes. Um, read by uh, Denham Elliott. Wow. And again, similar sort of stuff. You know, that I was obsessed with that for. A good couple of years. I was just—I just thought it was like the most amazing fucking thing I'd heard in in ages. And being in hospital for a few days, and it was one of the few books they had was the haunting of Toby yeah. Jug. And I remember trying to read it, but I was so in and out at the time. I don't oh yeah, no, I don't think it'd bear because yeah, that's the trouble. Is it, really? It's a man convalescing, <laughs> so it's not exactly great. Anyway, you're sitting there going, "Oh, he's, he's hallucinating." Am I hallucinating? <laughs> but yeah, so there's eleven books, and it's got Duke and Richley Rex. Simon Aaron and uh, Richard Eaton, the um, Paul Eddington character. So, and apparently Wheatley called them the modern musketeers and had actually sort of decided who was who in terms of the the the, uh, the original musketeers. That's actually a yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, I can I can completely see that. And apparently, not all the books are a cult. Some of them are just thrillers. And I find that I, because I don't know, have you, have, there's uh, um, Karnaki the Ghost Hunter, which is a series of stories. I think it's William Hope Hodgson. I hope I'm right there. And <laughs> and basically, it's it's really weird because he's a ghost investigator, but there's an equal number of cases that are genuinely supernatural, and ones that are fake. Or they are just a locked room mystery or something like that. And it's so weird to get that, you know, because it's like, like, say, for example, like Sherlock Holmes, you know, it's never the supernatural. You know, how, sometimes he thinks it is for a little bit. But it yeah, always it's, it's, it, no, matter how, no matter how much it's presented, it will always be rationalised. Similarly, in the other way, is like the X-Files, it's never a simple explanation. Yeah. It is always the supernatural one. And just to have that thing of where it's... A crossover. I think it's a really nice idea. It actually makes it a mystery. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. I was going to say, and if you're in that position, as you say, like an X-Filesy type thing, yeah, some of them will just turn out to be, oh, no, actually, do you know what it was? Swamp gas. Or, you know... You work for the FBI, don't bust some fucking drug dealers, you (laughs) lazy shit. (laughs) Piss-balling about looking for fucking Yeti. Anyway, so... How did you find the timing? Mm. Sorry to... Yeah. So I mean, so the the like the pacing of the yeah well, well because I know that obviously some of the ones we had before you found uh, the Wolfman a bit slow going at times. Was it was it slow? Um, so I think there's still a slight difference in I suppose the talking and dialogue, but actually this didn't feel. I don't know. It didn't feel as different um, so either I'm getting used to it or there was some difference in this one and it's not that big a d- what year did this come out um, 60 the, the, this is uh, it's 68 68 mm. 
yeah, so, yeah, 20, 26 years after, yeah, 27 okay. years after. Well, which, I mean, I, I, so it's the dialogue that I can remember from The Wolfman, and it, it just felt a bit like they weren't always conversing exactly. In this one, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get that sense, and I, I didn't think anything of the pace, it seemed, yeah, it seemed good. Um, there's still a slight uh, incongruity with their emotional states that I, again, I think you said more modern films try to to perhaps be more aware of their mental states. So again, like people dying and it's really awful in that second, but then later on they're sort of laughing. You know, yeah, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. it's just slight, you know. I th- I think I think there's a I think there's an element because of the sort of it's British yeah, stiff upper lip yeah, sort of I thing. Think so you, I think you suggested that before, and I yeah, yeah can definitely see definitely with this it, I think because like for Dennis Wheatley was very sort of um, um, basically he was v- very much a product of his time and sort mm. of um, like because I mean all the. All his stuff. I think it was like on Clive Barker's Eight to Z of Horror or something like that, where he said, um, he said, "Oh, everyone's you know everyone's wealthy, everyone's mm. doing well, satanic rituals, mm. but it's the servants who clean it up." Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it is that sort of thing. You know, I mean, like where it's you know, I mean, the, we are talking. Everyone in it is clearly fucking rich. Yeah, yeah. so I, did, know, I definitely know. noticed that. It yeah. didn't look like, yeah, extremely... Because, I mean, si- Simon has bought a house. Yeah. And it's not just, just a house. It it's a fucking big house. With an observatory. Yeah. 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 Right in the middle of London. Yeah. Um, and they all look like they were driving pretty decent cars. As yeah. Well, and crashing well, pretty decent Like, like I said, can I, can I borrow one? Can I borrow yeah. one of your cars? Oh, yes, take anyone. Yeah. And you're like... Anyone, right? And Rex turns up at the beginning in his biplane. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Rex is an appropriate name because he does total that car for a start. (laughs) And just again, there's an example of sort of like where you just think this is. It's just Rex's sort of way of dealing with things. The screen flashes out, so just punches punches a hole in it. (laughs) Again, again, a, a thing that I've noticed this time round that I've never noticed before. Um, yeah, again, it helps the story along. But yeah, so when they arrive at Richard's house, mm. so he arrives with Tanith, gets yeah. out to greet them. You can tell it's not his car, just gets out and leaves the engine running. Just yeah. walks over and, oh, that crazy bitch has nicked yeah. him. Yeah. yeah, you just got out and left the engine running. Why do you not take the keys? Who gets out of the car and doesn't take the keys with them, even at their friend's house? See, I actually think, because I've sort of... Whenever I think back to it, I always think Tanith is... I always think of her slightly more hysterical than she actually is. Do you know what I mean? I always think, in my head, she's kind of like... I always think she's quite stereotypically sort of like a flaky sort of heroine. But no, she isn't. Especially when she's in the car with him and she's... Yeah, you know... She's she's saying to him, yeah, no, it it doesn't matter what you say, don't expect me to go against him. Yeah, you know, and and to a certain extent, it's meant to be MacArthur's will. Hmm. But equally, you know, it does... I think the weirdest thing is, and I think it's sort of because I mean, I I mean I can't help but love the fact that me and you love a film which is basically God wins. Right, so so that I was <laughs> yeah. waiting to bring that up because I've started to see this pattern mm. 
And it seems surprising because, again, modern horrors don't tend to have Godwinning so much. No. So I was wondering why such a strong element of this is about Again, I think, I think it's Wheatley. Wheatley, yeah, had, okay. a very, Wheatley had a very strong... Because Dennis Wheatley was really proud of how much sort of occult research he did. Mm. But he was very... It was definitely... There was no sort of oh, this is another area that people explore, or this is something... It was, without a doubt, it, this is evil. And it's yeah. against God, and yeah. it's wrong. He was so he very was black and white with it. Was he? Well, I don't... I think, I think it's just as of his time. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, that might yeah. be the case. But certainly, if... I think if you were trying to convince me to start believing in God, this would be a good way to do it. Because yeah. it'd be like, each one you watch gives you a little bit of, oh yeah, look there, the goodies, and that's, they've just been yeah. over evil, and that's great, and look at that nice big cross at the end, yeah. and it sort of makes it's, you feel a bit, oh, I'm uplifted now, yeah. look, there's I angels mean, it's, singing. It's, and it's practically gospel. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but that's why I think it's gone back so far the other way now, mm. that no films well, have a yeah, happy yeah. ending like that, because it got to the point where it was like, that's, oh, every horror mm. film, it's always got a happy ending. I've, yeah, no, it isn't. Let's just completely... And um, Prince of Darkness, which obviously we covered previous, mm. I think was one of the first ones um, so, certainly that really it, went to that. Do you know what? It's not a happy ending. You're all dead. You're not dead today, but you're definitely dead well, pretty uh, soon. Weirdly enough, I mean, even Prince of Darkness, because it's, it's weird, because I think, and certainly the majority of Western horror, and I think it's just because of the mythologies and things that it's based on. Uh, particularly sort of possession stuff and obviously anything to do with the devil tends to have it, it, it works in a Christian theology yeah so God is there hmm. whereas and, and weirdly enough it's like you were saying about you have to create God as an opposite and in Prince of Darkness it is almost done it's it's physics in so yeah, much yeah. as we have God therefore we have anti-God yeah much in the same way as you have matter and anti-matter yeah, yeah. and but I think, yeah, with a lot... I mean, even, like, The Exorcist, you know, mm, yeah, very, very Christian movie. Just yeah, to yeah. cut in very quickly, I do apologise, I did think of this very earlier on. Have you seen The Exorcist? I I have. Okay. I mean, I know it, uh, you know, iconically, as in because of her spinning her head and yeah. spitting and the guy but saying... Have you ever sat and watched it from... Well, like, so I'm sure I have. I just... Don't, don't remember it. No, for sure. Well, you know, like oh God. I'm trying to think of other scenes in it that weren't that bit. Really, um, I see. The other thing is, I think it was in spoofed in it, Naked Gun or no, something. They, like they, that. They're repossessed, repossessed, which is the 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 one. Oh, with, it actually was the whole yeah, thing with Linda yeah. Blair yeah. and um, yeah. Leslie Nielsen as right. the so yeah. priest Father figure. May. Yeah. So I've quite yeah. possibly yeah. seen. <laughs> yes, Father, you may. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what's funnier the, the gag or the fact you remember it that's what I'm, I'm just well impressed it might be that I've seen that yeah so I can't I don't know but because I mean I think because I know that um, that that was what the the Catholic Church loved the exorcist so did they yeah. yeah so that because it drove people back to the yeah, church because yeah. it portrayed the devil as so fruit, fucking but, scary yeah. Yeah. Mm. People were going back to the church in droves, yeah. yeah. And I think, to a certain extent, I think that's. I think certainly most. If you're de- if you've got the devil in it, essentially you're acknowledge you you are kind of acknowledging the existence of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You are, but uh, see, in my head, 
God is not quite as pure as mm. he's portrayed. If you read all the Bible, he actually does a lot of things that you'd expect the devil to do, sacrificing and. Well, similarly, and so similarly, in my head, the devil is not necessarily as bad. He's straightforward. Yeah, because he's, he's a chaotic, you know, yeah. misrepresented to some degree, and straight talking as opposed to yeah, you know, passive aggressive or mm. any yeah. other sort of yeah. trickery. Or so you know, there is no worship me or yeah, yeah. it's worship me and yeah, and I think. Because weirdly enough, I think that's also the thing. I mean, you you get a sense, and I mean, obviously, I think just because of the, the, because of the time it was written and everything else like that, Dennis Wheatley's stuff now is regarded as sort of like fairly racist, fairly imperialist, more than anything it else. Did look a little bit like a <clears throat> the the guy who was the devil at first. So I was actually trying to work out if there were any other black people, and there was one other guy. Well, this is. I wasn't one of the sure if that was a bit of when a, they showed the, yeah, the Satanist yeah. quote unquote orgy, which was yeah. which were just people banging just, against each other yeah. and drinking booze. Yeah, but that's there the thing when, the, when they go in and there's the Satanists, it, you you watch it and you think actually, I mean, it's like you've got when Rex is in the car with Tanith, and he's sort of like saying, "No, the Jewish Jerusalem will help you, you know, and you'll be fine." Yeah. And she's like, "I don't want this." Yeah. You know, I want to do this, mm. and, but it's like dogmatically, no, we're helping yeah. you. Mm. Whether you like it or not, yes. we know what's good for you. <laughs> and also, when you go into the room, and it's like, but McCarter Circle is like quite, is multicultural. You've got yeah. like mm. sort of Asian people, yeah. um, and Africa, you know, African people, you've just got... He's more accepting. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it sort of seems to be almost, that I think nowadays it would almost be the opposite way round, where... Derishley would be seen as like some sort of hardline yeah. right wing Christian. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He would be like, he would be the. You will dammit. believe yeah. what I believe, and you will do it the way I believe. He tell would be the sort it. of yeah. He would be the dogmatic one, and he yeah. would be. Whereas MacArthur would seem. I mean, we we know in the in. I mean, obviously within the the framework of it, MacArthur essentially is Crowley. Oh or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. based yeah. very yeah. heavily on sort of Alistair Crowley, but then I think a lot of. Um, it's like in Night of the Demon. Uh, yes. The guy in that is clearly him as well. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, what is his bloody name? It begins for C. Oh my... Shit, how can I not remember his name? Oh, it'll come back to us. It'll no, come back to us. it's going to oh. really annoy me, like really well, bad. So, so like, he's, annoy me even he's more accepting of anyone as long as they're giving him extra power. Exactly. Oh, I don't. I mean, there is no way on earth that you can interpret Macar as a good person. Mm. He is. He is quite willing to slit a child's throat. Yeah. Frankly, he kills a goat. That makes him a cunt in my book. But you know. <laughs> yeah. But I think that sort of, you know, when you sort of look at the exterior of it, it's kind of like you know the, you've got the good guys are quite sort of dogmatic and quite sort of like no, we know what's mm. best for you, you yeah. silly, you silly woman. Yeah. And we know what's best mm. for you, you silly people. Mm. Whereas MacArthur's more sort of like, oh, anyone can try it in as long as I get to sleep with them. You know, <laughs> he's just yeah, just a bit of a sleaze. But <laughs> really, get I'm so annoyed myself I'm, I'm, for not remembering this. Sorry. <laughs> thought um, the bit where the devil comes up in goat form and Tanith and Simon, mm. they're like, hold on, uh, is this a bit out of our depth? Yeah, <laughs> and then she gets the blood. Carswell, that's it. Carswell, yes. sorry, yeah. Fuck it. But yeah, I know what you mean. I think that that it's really cleverly done yeah. because also Rex can't look when uh, sorry um, Simon can't look when they kill the goat. 
Yeah. He I turns away. Yeah. Tanith is sort of still sort of hypnotised or sort of drawn into it, but he can't look then. And then, like you say, when uh, the goat of Mendes appears, and then it's like, oh, fuck, you know, we just thought this was like, you know, the a jolly Mendes, society. Yeah. The devil himself. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know, you suddenly, it's like, well, well that's, that's, that's escalated. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gets out of hand really fast. Yeah. I mean, I, find, I think that, yeah, there's a lot of, um, uh, and yeah, like I said, I think there's a lot of cool people in it. Um... Uh, uh, Charles Gray. We haven't even touched on Charles yeah. Gray being in. Well, it. Charles Gray, and so who was he? Uh, he's MacArthur. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so he was good. Mm. And um, like, like you, like back you said, to back to Jeremy Brett. Um, yeah, Jeremy Brett, Sherlock Holmes again. He played uh, Mycroft. Uh, Mycroft to uh, Jeremy Brett, Sherlock Holmes in the Granada version. <laughs> and weirdly enough. Uh, that's another case is the case of the two Mycrofts because obviously Christopher Lee plays Mycroft in The mm. Private Life of Sherlock Holmes yes so, and there's there's a lot of weird links in this mm. that I found as I was sort of going through and everything and like yeah and he's in he uh, Charles Gray's in an earlier Bond he's, he's in one Bond film as sort of just someone that like an associate of Bond mm. but then he turns up later as Blofeld like one of the many people who play, because Donald Pleasance plays Blofeld, tells I've about never us. seen the. Yeah. I've never seen but, anything before Skyfall. Ah, oh, fair enough. But, <laughs> but, but like Blofeld is, Blofeld is like sort of, he is the villain of I know the, the Bond name, films. certainly. Yeah. He, he's the Doctor Evil of Bond films. And, and that's so, Charles Gray. That's Charles Gray. I and, to watch and, those. And like you said, well, it's Diamonds of Forever is the one where it's Charles Gray playing Blofeld. Although, Maybe that's where he ain't Donald Pleasance. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Pleasance as Blofeld. Yeah, because actually Charles Gray is in uh, the the one that Charles Gray's in earlier, which is uh, You Only Live Twice. Um, Donald Pleasance is playing Blofeld in that. So he's in uh, multiple films as different characters. Is, well, is this just going back to. Uh, oh, oh. What's it called? That's going to annoy me now. The Vincent Price one. Vincent Price one with the. The, with Terry Thomas in, he's in both films oh, um, as different but, characters. Yeah, there, no, there's the, there is a very weird inconsistency with Bond. Blofeld was never played by the same guy, even though he is the same guy. So we get it for the benefit of the tape, <laughs> like we're in a police station. Yeah. The films that I was just mentioning were Doctor Fives, Doctor Fives films. Yes, thank you. But um, yeah, for the benefit exactly. of the tape. For the, uh, for the benefit of the tape, Mr. <laughs> Porter is nodding. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you've got that, and like you said, um, obviously, probably Charles Gray's one, probably his most iconic role is uh, the criminologist in yes. uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's discuss mm. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Chris. Well, yeah, so, so that was quite a revelation when you suddenly would, said, "Oh, I'll that, go through this." Never seen that. Be classed as horror. It does have the word horror in it. It, it it's it's it, spoofs horror. It's based on. It's mainly based on fifties horror, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I I had a big problem with it for a long time because mm. I, I think because I loved horror and sci-fi, I thought that it didn't get I, either. I, I was I, I was well, I, right. I, it was just the idea of something spoofing it. Mm. So that, and I was like the same with Young Frankenstein, and mm. I was like, do you know what? This is something I really love. I don't like things that poke fun at it. Yeah, but. But, yeah, but then you sort of learn to embrace that and go, oh, do you know where, what? Where, it's where, made what's Young by... Frankenstein? 
Mel Brooks. Yeah. And uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's a, that's I need to watch that as well. Mm. Right. That is okay. a good film. That is a brilliant film. And um, yeah, and, and, and I think that's the thing is, I think something that just ramps all over something is different to when you spoof something or parody something it's usually done with love yeah Rocky Horror really yeah. comes from a place of loving okay. the absolutely experience. and, without, and a without a shadow of a doubt young Frankenstein mm. loves so I saw the beginning of it where he's standing up in front and he's teaching them about death something I can't remember exactly what he was doing but and it actually seemed serious enough. It didn't oh, yeah, seem because yeah. because that's the thing is he's, he's, he's done so well. It's yeah. done so well that you could you could stumble into it and until mm. a gag came yeah. along, yeah, oh yeah, you, you would believe think you were just watching an old Universal, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's that that it's almost like it's like the same with like Look Around You. Mm. Yeah. That yeah. first series of Look you Around could, You, where you could, Claire did. Yeah. Claire actually twitched over was, and just thought she was watching Open yeah. University for about five minutes, and then it's, and then they said something <laughs> mental, and she just hang on. No, it does. It builds it up yeah. a bit. Where it, you know, <laughs> sudden, suddenly it's oh, but if you attach your battery to it, uh, a giant pair of scissors appear in the sky. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did see him. Saw the clip for Helvetica on the. Uh, <laughs> oh, actually, again, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think yeah, I think that's the thing is you just work from, um, I think you just work from that point that Shaun of the Dead, mm, yeah, they love the, they love yeah. those films, yeah. yeah. So they they do, but again, I don't see that as a spoof. I see yeah. that as a comedy horror, which, and I see comedy yeah, that's horror true, actually, and spoof yeah. horror as, as very different things. No, you're very but, right. But back actually. then, I was against spoof because. It, as I say, it was just people poking holes in something I really... Until, as you say, it wasn't until I suddenly realised, do you know what? If they know the genre that well, mm. they clearly give a shit. Mm. They're not just people out to, yeah, to, it's, to it's rubbish not, it's something. It's not ridiculing it. It is... Um, it's affection. It is an affectionate poking the yeah. ribs and a little... Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, that. How, how will we sit in there watching Devil Rise Out? Yeah. You know, poking it's that same thought, it's yeah. that same thing, but, but you, it doesn't detract from how mm. much you love it. But I got very angry when we... You weren't there because I got very angry on the train on the way home after it. Um, Why was this I the had folk been horror? drinking. We went to... Uh, Adam and I went to um, a showing of The Devil Rides Out a last May, um, hosted by the Black Decagon Society, which is a fantastic uh, yeah, folk yeah. horror group. Fantastic, they are brilliant, brilliant fucking night. Robbie Nintz was there. Yeah, um, on I top can't, I can't remember always. any of the other people who were there, but they were all brilliant. There was a woman there who uh, owned part of Dennis Wheatley's personal library collection. Oh, yes, yeah. She was also amazing. She's a, a stand-up comedian. Um and, and it was a fantastic night. It was brilliant. My only issue was there were some people in the audience who were in suits, which should have started should my have the first, but just found the film really funny. And I was like, do you know what? I know it's old now and it's not quite as sharp as it was, but it's still... A f- it, it, it's still... It's not a com. It's not a spoof. It's no. Not a, and it was the things like when they were in the car and they were having the car chase. It was clearly against the 
their equivalent of a green screen. Which oh, the, the, like the back projection yeah. stuff. Yeah. And they went through the puddles and they bits. sort of threw the water up at them. Mm. Yeah, right, it's a bit kooky now, but it's fucking 60 years ago. Well, yeah. I actually thought they did quite well with the car chase. I think, the, I think the majority of it stands up so fucking well. Yeah. Even P- possibly the, the worst bit, I think, was the spider. Yeah, and the, the horse and as the well, where it kept doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they, the, could, they could definitely take probably both those bits out and still... It wouldn't you wouldn't lose anything weirdly no, enough they released I think I can't remember I think they released uh, I think it's, I can't remember if it's the DVD or the Blu-ray but there was a massive controversy because they redid the effects yeah of, oh, really? the, of the spider to try and make to make it look better yeah and basically yeah loads of people just went we liked Why? it yeah because they they went through they went BBC went through a weird period with this as well as they kept doing it with Doctor Who where they were sort of like was it when they'd hired uh any of the any of the visual effects like they would sort of if they had like a lot of the stuff in the 80s they still had like the raw tapes for it so they were over like they were doing the digital effects yeah yeah because okay they looked a bit shit and they looked a bit hokey but weirdly enough I think also because they were doing it on the cheap and not throwing you know they weren't throwing industrial light and magic at it yeah they were just throwing a 2000 computer at it rather than one from 1985 yeah yeah and so it still kind of looks shit and in the end it's like no just give me what it was that's why I want the historic document I don't want it faffed with you know it's it's the same argument to a certain extent with Star Wars yeah Yeah. with the the special editions where you just sit there and it's like like when when they brought it out on Blu-ray I understand you it's just the latest tinkered edition yeah but they don't have the... It's Blu-ray. You know, but sell us a fucking 60-disc set. We'll buy it. Yeah. If we, if we can watch the very originals just cleaned up. Yeah. But, you know, they don't sort of do it. And I think it's the same sort of thing happened with this. Like, loads of Hammer fans were just like, why the fuck have you done that? We why, know the spider shit. Yeah. yeah. It's but, 1968. But so, yeah. so I think, it weren't going to be brilliant. So I think that's... in What I was thinking was that... Um, they could have just never done much. Mm. Like they didn't have to do it for that long. Mm. And the horse bit, they could have just had... like When it looked like the wind coming in, that was fine. They didn't need to jump up as much. So yeah. I, I, it was almost like... True. As opposed they to Star Wars, they added bits that were pointless. Yeah. I feel like they didn't need to have added quite as much to that and it still would have mm. had the same effect. Yeah, as you but, say, that horse thing where it was kind of repeating itself. Yeah, yeah. It just, could have just done gave, the lurch I, and not have be, to repeat because, it three times. I mean, how it's hard to think how that would have looked when, you know, back then, but just because you know that as a... And that would be a silly spoof-type effect that you would do. Mm. Well, you know, a horse wouldn't do that. It wouldn't well, change that. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's the reverse. angel of death's horse. Yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, no, really so yeah. I mean, imagine that would be a fantastic horror film where it's just like, why does everything look so cheap and like poor effects? And it's like, no, that's how the supernatural looks. Yeah. It looks like a spider on a model set or behind some glass. That's all it is. What they were trying to achieve with the horse. I think was kind of like you know like in sort of 28 days later where there's just a lot of flashes and really fast cuts and you're like mm. what what the what the actual fuck is going on here yeah I think that's kind of what they were attempting or oh, how it do. would have been to a 60s audience mm. yeah. yeah it would have seemed so much more faster so yeah. much weirder and everything else yeah. but they didn't really have technology they couldn't and certainly you know he's a, he's a fucking 
English working cameraman. He's going to go, well, you fuck off, you think I'll go near that horse. It'll <laughs> rear, rear up over there, and that's as near as I'm getting. I'm going for my tea. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that, and, and again, I mean, also because it has a much more comforting edge to us because of its age. Yeah. You know, we can go, we can go into it thinking, you, you can go into it and you're, you're not in the sort of state of where could this go mm. to the sen- to the sense of, am I going to handle this? Yeah. You're kind of you. You can see you can see the age in which it's made. You're probably familiar with with some of the actors or whatever you know, mm. and and so you kind of you're not expecting to be wound up. Whereas to an audience in the late sixties, I mean, okay, I mean they, they've got the Exorcist coming, which is just mm. you know would. But we know the effect that that had yeah, by comparison exactly. to a film like this, which was only what five years before. Yeah, I and mean, that's a massive. And I th- and I think that's the thing is I think for people watching it at that point, I think they wouldn't. Also, I don't think people nowadays people are much more savvy to effects and certainly savvy to sort of certain techniques. It's like the um, uh, there was a pro- uh, the crime program Messiah, where basically their trick was. Every single cast member was a name, so you didn't at any point you couldn't work out who the killer was because, well, hang on, that's Edward Woodward, and that's yeah, that guy from yeah. that, and that's this guy, and you were sort of, and that's Gillian Taylor so from EastEnders. Just anybody, yeah, because it? everyone's famous. You, it's not like, oh, hang on, you know, I have, I don't know who any of these people are, but now, now, but now Robert know, Carlyle's turned up. Yeah, so it's got to be him. You know what I mean? And I think it's that, you know, and I think, again, it's people get wise to sort of uh, that kind of thing. But I think people got wise to special effects a lot quicker, mostly because people were so fascinated. They wanted to know how they were done. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I'm sure back in the day, shit model shots still were shit model shots. You know, yeah. people people still found them sort of hokey or whatever like that. But also, by that point in the film, you've probably gone so far if you're sold on it, you're still sold on it. See, it's funny. I, um, our friend Chris, the other Chris, was over this weekend mm-hmm. um, because we'd been discussing horror films, and he had revealed to me in a moment of weakness that he'd never seen Army of Darkness. Oh right! So okay. he came over does, to does watch. He, he likes horror. Yes, he does. Yes, um, and we, he came over religiously every Sunday and we watched um, Ash vs. Evil Dead because a massive fan of the first two Evil Dead films. But he'd never seen Army Darkness. Oh, right, um, So he came over last weekend to see it. Yeah, and it's funny because I'd seen it loads, but it wasn't till, again, it wasn't until I was with somebody else and you're kind of watching but kind of gauging their reaction to it yeah that suddenly the whole army of skeletons that stands Mm. up and it's just like it's like sort of Jason and the Argonauts it's that very jerky stop motion sort of yeah and all of a sudden I was like yeah this is this is really weird to have just done in like the early 90s to Mm. just go back to that yeah but it it just looks and he does he was howling with laughter It's, it's a fantastic because I think, but again, I think it's like it's like certain techniques, and oddly enough, because because no one's doing them, things end up actually cheaper. It's mm-hmm. like the film Moon is entirely practical effects. There's yeah. no like all the sort of lunar 
I mean, it's, there's not a lot of it in there, mm. but there's sort of like vehicles moving around on the lunar surface and things like that. And it's all model shots. And it just looks incredible. Yeah, because Because the visuals are there and they can tweak it. And, you know, there's post-production techniques you can do, so it looks the shit. Yeah. Whereas a film on the same budget doing it in CGI would have probably looked a bit ropey. Yeah. You know, it would have had that... It looked perfect. Yeah, it really it did. It really did. But, yeah, and I think that sort of... And I like the fact... It's like um, Gilmero Del Toro prefers practical monsters and practical effects. Mm. And again, okay, sometimes it doesn't quite come off. And there will be a few wobbly fingers and things like that. But, but again, for what it gives you compared to someone punching mid-air and then you draw a monster in. I think he yeah. is probably one of the people to bring to the big screen the most inconceivable monsters as well, which is... which is yeah. probably, I mean, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, the creatures in that were... Oh, yeah. And actually, Hellboy too, when you've got stuff like the, the Angel of Death in that, yeah, is like a, a sort of baroque sculpture. Yeah, I mean, it certainly it pisses on a bloke the cloth for a face on a bleeding horse. <laughs> but you know, it's times and times, isn't it? So, it is. um, but yeah, and we were discussing when when it came up at the start. Obviously, we were discussing that um, although it's Dennis Weekly, it's Richard Matheson's the actual screenwriter. Yes. of yes. Devil Rides, which Out. I was completely unaware of. Yeah, until so how much has changed from the book. Um, that I couldn't tell you. I've, I've done. I've, have you I've ever read, read it? No, I I couldn't say. I would love to own a nice looking copy of that to have I, on the shelf somewhere. I really wish I'd gone for it. There was, I mean, this is going back years and years, and I was probably fourteen, fifteen, or something like that. But I remember going to a bookshop, like second hand bookshop, and they just had a rack, all Dennis Wheatley, uh, red bound with. My mum had a, a, a massive shelf in our house mm. when we were kids, yeah, of red leather, gold scribed. That's the ones. Books, yeah, uh, yeah, and they were. It was all. It was like Charles Dickens, and there was some mm. Sherlock Holmes in there. Yeah, and I remember Dennis Wheatley's The Devil Rides Out being in there, and I think they all went to a charity shop or disappeared yeah. randomly and. But yeah, this was but this was like Fuck. this was like a whole shelf, and it was just purely Wheatley, and it was like I would imagine it was probably the occult set because I remember a lot of pentagrams and runes Jeez. on the spines and stuff like that. And I think at the time, I mean, probably it was prohibitively expensive anyway. I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't think I even got round to looking at how much they were, yeah. but I do remember looking at them and just thinking that just as it is, that looks beautiful. Yeah, you know. But um, but yeah. So uh, unfortunately, having never read the book, I don't know. I mean, from from what I gather, I think Dennis Wheatley's stuff um, tends to be not really. I mean, he basically is quite obsessed with satanic orgies, and like you said, nineteen sixty eight British film Boulder Senses, You're not going to get that, yeah, too yeah, much yeah, going on. Probably that was that was as racy as it yeah. was going to get. It was like, oh, two people were touching each other in rooms. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god! It, was, it was a bit like the Lambada, really. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah, but just, with wine, it yeah, wasn't really you, an orgy. But you, it, you get um, the feeling that Macarthur was there more as like a chaperone, <laughs> just making sure that they were keeping like you know uh, a three inch space between bodies <laughs> while they danced slowly. Are um, you leaving space for the Holy Spirit in there? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But um, 
But yeah, it's adapted by uh, Richard Matheson, who just unbelievably like prolific novelist, particularly short story writer. Um, and when I was sort of like, I was looking through to see sort of like what other sort of scripts he'd done and things like that. And like I was saying earlier, um, he wrote the, he wrote the original novel, novel I Am Legend, and which and this I didn't know is he actually adapted all three screen versions of I Am Legend. So Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, fantastic film. Uh, the Omega Man, not saying. Have you not seen The Omega Man? No. Ah. Yeah, um, but you've seen Last Man on Earth, which is probably the the closest yeah. adaption, and the the two thousand sort of it was a few about ten years ago. Yeah. I think Iron Legend with Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, so he adapted Isn't all three. Is that of those. a virus? Is it? Um, it's vampirism. It become, is it okay? Um, basically, basically, and, no. and weirdly enough, it never gets to the very crux of the matter, okay. which is that the reason it's called I Am Legend is that. Slowly, the like the main character is essentially the last person left. Everyone else has become a vampire, mm. and he is alternately going mad and living the life of Riley because he's got the world as his playground as long like as long as it's not at night. Yeah. And but the but in I Am Legend, the reason it's called I Am Legend is that he slowly discovers that to the vampires who are essentially humanity now. He's not humanity. He's the only one left. Mm. The rest of humanity is a bunch of vampires. Mm. And he discovers that he's become a bogeyman to them because he's the one who comes when they sleep and kills them. And it's never... See? Yeah. Good, huh? Yeah, right, yeah, but, yeah. It's ne- but that's never the... Even the film called I Am Legend never gets never to that cr- fucking yeah. point. And it's... I mean, certainly Omega Man doesn't, but then I think it's because Charlton Heston's involved, so it's got to be about shooting people. <laughs> but you know the and National Rifle Association yes. says so I think but yeah so and uh, but Richard Mather he wrote um, a shit ton of like original and later series Twilight Zone episodes yeah um, mostly again adapting from short stories he'd written and stuff like that um, he he wrote uh, he wrote the script for The Incredible Shrinking Man which again was based on one of his novels called The Shrinking Man this I really didn't know. Uh, he wrote Night of the Eagle, you know, with uh, Peter Wingard. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that. He also was the scriptwriter on a lot of the um, Roger Corman Poe adaptions. Yes, I did know that. Fall of the House of Usher, Pit and the Pendulum, uh, The Raven. He also... We'll wrote... have to build you up to those, but you definitely really yeah. need to see the Roger Corman they, Poe adaptations. Oh, God, that... that that has the those those have the for me they have the feeling of that moment when you were probably I don't know six or seven and that much quality street at Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's just the associated colours. Yeah, it's more than anything. Red it's like being, and green, yeah, and purple. It's like being trapped in the Lucasfilm factory. It's sort of just insane. Oh, they're always a dream sequence inside a dream sequence, and mm. it all wobbled. Oh, they're brilliant. This, oh, I, so this, good. I thought you'd be impressed by. Adapted from his own novel of the same name, Comedy of Terrors. Oh, yeah, I thought you'd like that. I, Really, really <laughs> love comedy of terror. I did. Me and my brother once did 
drink along the comedy of oh, Terry. Oh, bloody hell, he's too... Dean washed oh. out 20 minutes in. Yeah. We ended because up having... he drinks every <laughs> in line. He is, yeah. He is I mean, it's such a great film. It is a brilliant film. Oh, it's it's just... Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, um, Boris, Basil, Karloff. Uh, uh, Boris Karloff, Basil Rathbone, all in this fantastic slapstick a comedy horror that, yeah. is a, that is a comedy horror mm. definitely yeah. that's not a spoof that is a horror that's funny it's just yeah such just a work of genius film. again here's another one for you because seriously when I was going through this I just thought I've got to tell Lee this I've got to tell Lee this <laughs> so adapted from his own novel Hell House The Legend of Hell House the first film that I've read to turn off because it scared the piss <laughs> out of me uh, Jaws 3D not seen it well you ain't missed much Um, (laughs) and I forgot this he also wrote the first two Kolchak uh, TV movies Night Night Stalker and Night Strangler oh right okay which are him him as well Um, Kolchak was uh, kind of like a forerunner to the X-Files in so much as it started off as a a one off TV movie then they did a second one and then they did a series of it but it's basically like a cross between the X-Files and Columbo. Because <laughs> the main guy is like a journalist in a crumpled suit. And he is properly not... He's not Clint Eastwood. Do you know what I mean? He, he is properly sort of like just a sort of... Yeah, he is Columbo. He's got that sort of Columbo thing. And he's a rumpled little man. Sort of like investigating aliens and monsters and stuff like that. But they are really, really sort of just great slices of 70s America. Really? Mm. Going back to the legend of Hell House, you have to see that at some point because, although it wasn't massively groundbreaking, what it was about that that scared the crap out of me quite as much as it did was it. It wasn't documentary style, but it was the fact that, and, and lots of other films have done it. But it was the first time I'd done it. It was one of the first films I'd seen when I was starting to get into horror, and it had an almost documentary style. Every time it changed from scene to scene, you got a date and a time on it. And something about that just made it feel very grounded and very... I don't don't know. There was something that sort of brought it to life in doing that that just made it feel so real. I think it's by... If you put... For want of a better expression, if you put facts in it, you immediately think... It feels documented. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like it's like Nigel Neal's trick. Nigel Neal always has the bit where they go through like old parish records or they go through yeah, yeah. like mm. old stories of the area. And again, it gives you that same sort of thing where it's like, oh, fuck, mm. you know. This in is... your mind, although it isn't yeah. real, it puts that loop yeah. in place that makes you go, yeah. if this were real, that's mm. what I'd do. And that's how it proves yeah. it's real. So therefore... It must be real in a sort of and, roundabout. Because that's the thing is, it's present because it's an investigation. They're presenting it as an investigation, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. So again, it sort of fields into that where they would be there going right. It's Thursday seven o'clock. Mm. We've just heard, you know, banging in the cellar or whatever like that. You know, and I think again, yeah, I think that's Ooh, one of the that's such a good film. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing soundtrack as well. And, and the original as well, obviously, The Haunting is just... Oh, but The Haunting's the... That's the Shirley Jackson book. Yes. So, but, yeah. but, it, but the story is, is so... Yeah, completely. very similar, yeah. But, and it's in exactly the same, the, the same mm. sort of... But, yeah, Legend, Legend of Hell House is 
But yeah, when I was reading that, I was like, why are you just marrying Lee? Because he's written pretty much <laughs> every film you, that like. you really <laughs> raved about. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, and so, but other stuff that came up while I was looking through Tanith, um, just a weird thing. She's 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 in Countess Dracula. Okay. Apparently, and she's also in an episode of The Prisoner, and both times she's playing a part called Gypsy Girl. Oh, okay. You know, I've seen Countess Dracula, but it was a long time ago. Oh, yeah, that's that's, a great film. I think I bought it on a double box with Twins of Evil, and I don't think I could tell one film from the other, to be honest, right now. It's 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 just a lot of vampire boobs. It is a lot of vampire boobs. There's not a problem with that, but it is a lot of vampire boobs. Um, Obviously, Richard was Paul Eddington, uh, Jerry from The Good Life, and... um, uh, yes, minister and yes, prime minister yeah. and stuff like that. He's, him and uh, what the, what's his name, Simon, are probably the most famous. Yeah, because he of, was. Who, who else? At first, I thought it was Ewan McGregor. Obviously, it wasn't quite. <laughs> he was a bit older, but he there was went something on to be like uh, Emmerdale. Yeah, he's in Emmerdale. He's still in Emmerdale to this day. Yeah, but he was in like he was. He's been in loads of TV. Same with Paul Eddington. They're, they're those sort yeah. of actors who've just been in loads and was that like, Richard? So, yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, he's he's uh, Margot's husband in The Good Life. Right, okay, um, that is almost certainly uh, no, no, not a bloody good life. <laughs> and actually, I was saying, I was going to say he's in Emmerdale, which obviously had his name changed from Emmerdale Farm, so quicker to read, mm. so they can fit more plot in. You know? <laughs> one thing I got, I've always been slightly obsessed about is one of the Satanists, I don't know if you might have spotted him, you might not, there's a little bald guy with glasses. I did spot him. And he is, uh, he's a guy called uh, Peter Swanwick. And he was in The Prisoner as like the village supervisor. He's like sort of, uh, essentially like a technician who, and he's in like, I think he's in like most of the episodes of The Prisoner. There's like 17 episodes, he's in like nine or 10 of, of those. Oh wow, and he had like 20 seconds of screen time yeah, in, in this. in this. But, and here's the point, he had uh, an operation, like, it was, I think he was he was involved in, he was injured like quite badly in the Second World War. Mm. And then he had a series of operations that um, basically left him with a shortened lifespan. And so he worked his arse off and he died at the age of 46 he actually died not long after he died not long after um, Devil Rides Out came out yeah Um, but he managed to get over he was credited in over he got part uh, over a hundred parts in film and television and that's not including he did loads of stage work as well Basically, yeah, he got what an he, awesome thing. Yeah, to like, but he just right, got. Yeah, I've not got long. Now. Yeah, I am got any time, everything. so I'm just going to blitz it. That is and, awesome. Yeah, and I so he's, he's always just been sort of like someone that I've always just thought was the tits anyway. What an awesome guy. I know, and he just sort of yeah. Again, it's just one of those weird sort of ones because because of, of my obsession with the prisoner. I sort of like I always spotted him in the Devil Rides Out, yeah. and then yeah, sort of like as I sort of when I sort of saw stuff about the prisoner and they sort of mentioned him and said, and said stuff like that. But yeah, he's been in unbelievable amounts of stuff, you know. Um, wow. And the other thing that came up, which I was really, really totally unaware of, is the Goat of Mendoz. And he's played by a guy called Eddie Powell, who okay. is a stuntman. 
which is probably why he's got a decent enough build to sit there and not be embarrassed that he's got his tits out with yeah. a goat in his head. In the freezing cold. In the freezing cold, cold, yeah. But yeah, he was the stunt stuntman and stunt quote coordinator in a number of Hammer films. Um, obviously, Devil Rides Out, he's in it, but he also was a stunt coordinator for it. Um, and a lot of the Dracula sequels. Oh, right, okay. Um, and he's, They're pretty stunt heavy. Yeah. Well. Was, oh, yeah. Really. Well, here's the thing. He was also he also did a load of Bond films. So, again, we're sort oh, of connecting with, um, uh, connecting with Charles Gray again, like with the Bond connection. And he was Christopher Lee's stunt double in The Man with the Golden Gun. Wow. And I wonder if that's why he's... I didn't why know he was in The Man with the Golden he's Gun. He's the main villain. He is the main oh, okay. villain in The Man with the Golden Gun. And he is shit hot in it what? as you can I've never imagine seen any James Bond films and see, still Skyfall I, see I think I think Man with a Golden Gun for for, Chris, for Christopher Lee is really worth a fucking watch who is okay. Bond in that uh, it's uh, one of the Roger Moore ones mm-hmm. and actually it works really well because Roger Moore is quite piss takey as a Bond <laughs> uh, which is quite nice because in, in a weird way it's like the same you know I've now come to the conclusion Sean Connery it's like walking around with a hard-on all the time, aren't you? You're a bit creepy. You get off on killing people and sticking it in things. You're just a bit weird. Whereas at least Roger Moore has the common decency to go, well, it's quite absurd, isn't it? And so... Lucky does in Cannonball Run. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, because it's weird, because in Cannonball Run, it's like, oh, he's spoofing Bond. And it's like, have you seen him in Bond? He's spoofing <laughs> it there, <laughs> mate. But Man with a Golden Gun is perfect because you've got Christopher Lee as like almost the anti-Bond because he is the most sought-after assassin in the mm. world. Okay. And um, so he's like, he's like this, he is the negative of Bond. And so you've got Christopher Lee being just so brilliantly undercutting of Bond the whole time. So you've got like, Bond's already taken the piss out of himself and then you've got Christopher Lee just like, why are you being so silly? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a silly man. It's a life of death, you know. Um, so yeah, so he's he's he was in that. He's in Alien and Aliens. He did stunts on those and actually was in the suit. He was in the Xenomorph suit. Oh no, wait, really? Yeah. So I mean, it's just amazing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I think he. I think he's the Xenomorph that gets like at the end of Alien. I think he's the one trailing out of the back of the. Um, escape capsule on the rope on the uh, like um, harpoon yeah and that's him um, Jesus and then so this guy's been in more iconic films than anybody can think of but nobody knows no, who he is yeah and I feel so bad for people like this well it's yeah but so then he had a great he obviously had a great time oh yeah yeah. and oh, well, so the other the other films that I spotted on the CV that I thought were worth mentioning Jason and the Argonauts Awesome. Uh, the Mutations or The Freak Maker you know the Donald Pleasant's Tom Baker one yeah he's yeah. in that uh, does stunts in that Flash Gordon uh, Tim yeah. Burton's Batman Jesus Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <laughs> Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Dalek's Invasion of Earth 2150 AD which is obviously Peter Cushing connection yeah and um, he also worked with Christopher Lee outside of Hammer on Howling 2 um, your sister is a werewolf. Interesting film. Yeah. And he not only is he Christopher Lee stunt double. If you want the if you want to know what a double R bastard he was, he was also Clint Eastwood stunt double in Where Eagles Dare. Fucking hell. And seriously, I mean, he just when I looked, I mean, the fucking like IMDb, IMDb page just went on 
for a for long... For a guy that nobody's heard of. Yeah, you know, and but yeah, so the goat of Mendes is... These are the unsung heroes. Yeah, exactly, you know. Like, and I just thought, sort of, that I, I thought I couldn't not tell you guys because I just thought, Laura. Yeah, that was this just some awesome. impressive shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right, I guess this is going to bring us to wrapping up, so we'd better approach the subject mm-hmm. of where are we going next? Mm. What are you feeling, Chris? Well, it seems like every time we come up with a huge list of potentials... Mm. We do. That's true. We almost didn't have the time before. So this week, what what was said, the, the legend of Hell House, was it? Legend oh, of Hell have House. Got, have you got Legend of Hell House? Of course I've got Legend of Hell House. I think House. we should watch Legend of Hell House, because I have not watched that film in so fucking long. Michael Did you God say that was the one that scared you? Fantastic, yes. This, so, you turned it off. So when I first got into horror, mm. when I was young, early teens, um, and I, I decided that I quite liked horror, and it was always on late on a Friday night. Generally, it was presented by Dr. Terror. His new name wasn't Dr. Terror. They called him Dr. Terror later, but his earlier name was... Dr. Walpurgis. Dr. Walpurgis. Um, and he presented um, like a horror host. Yeah, mm. and I so I watched... I'm sure the first one... I, I could be wrong... I'm sure somebody's going to find it online just to fucking prove me wrong. But I'm sure the order in which I remember it was, I saw Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, uh-huh. um, which I really enjoyed, mm. followed by The Curse of the Crimson Altar, which is still one of my top ten favourites. Um, and then it was The Haunting of Hell House. And I went, awesome, I'm totally into this now. And I watched it on my own, by candlelight, in my bedroom, yeah, and got two thirds of the way through and went, I'm gonna have to turn this off because it is literally scaring the shit out of me. I was so scared. So, um, have, I, have I just mixed up I Am Legend and The Haunting of Hell House? It's the, into one is it the Legend of Hell House or The Haunting of Hell House? I think it's The Legend, isn't it? I, 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 I'm not sure. It might be The Legend. Yeah, uh, the, two different was films. the book called The Haunting? Oh, no. no, that was the original. The, so was the, it? The film is called The Legend of Hell House. Yeah. When they remade it in the 90s, uh, which was oh no, the, dog shit, yeah, it was called is, The Haunting. That's just called The Haunting, yeah. And that was... But that was that was like dog rule. That did, was, that was yeah. really that, awful. Did that... Where they went to a house and then they went through lots of different rooms there and bad stuff happening. Oh, no, that's um, uh, The House on Haunted Hill. Yes. Which was remade again... In the sort of, there is a nineties of that. I'm sure I yeah. went to the cinema and saw one that I thought was decent. There is a nineties one of that. It's it's not bad. Mm. Yeah. It's all right. Um, but the original of that again, Vincent Price, black and white. Um, it's uh, it's a it's one of Castle's movies as well. So it's yeah yeah it, it's it's fantastic. Mm. It's Okay. Well, that seems. But yeah, so Legend of Hell House. Oh yeah, because I've not seen that in so long, and the soundtrack is Brian Hodgson and Davia Derbyshire from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. (laughs) You know, I might have to take laughing gas during it. (laughs) 
just to get the, the full <laughs> digital effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a great film. Oh, uh, Andy, um, got me doing it. Not Andy McDowell. Andy McNabb? <laughs> Roddy McDowell? <laughs> I need to start watching Space. Yeah, so Roddy McDowell in it is just... Yeah. Brilliant. And again, he's in Fright Night, which is one of my favourite 80s as well, mm-hmm. but it's just... Seen Fright Night too? I didn't even know there was a Fright Night. Yes, too. I oh, have. Okay. It's massively disappointing. Oh, um, because it's so hard to get. I spent years trying to get hold of it on DVD for less than fifty quid, mm. um, and then somebody had it on DVD and bought it on Blu-ray. From a managed to pick it up uh, from another country and got it super cheap. Gave me his DVD and I watched DVD of it. Yeah, and it's it's so bad. Which is, and, and this is the problem. I always do this. I get obsessed about a film that I like the original, have to see. Yeah. The sequel or a film that I've never seen and really have to see, mm. and I get so obsessed with. I must get hold of it. I must get hold of it. That I sometimes forget. Well, do you know what? If it was a good film. You could pick it up for a fiver in Tesco. Yeah. If it's a shit film that nobody wants to spend any money on, that's the ones you can't get hold of anymore. Yeah. It's not like it used to be. It's it's the crap stuff that you can't buy because nobody's ever transferred it because nobody wants to pay for the copyright. Yeah. No one can be asked. But yeah. But anyway. Okay, and I really like um, looking for unsung heroes. Yes. I think that's a very good aspect. Can't that is should. a good thing. Well, that's I, your, should, I, like I should that. be. I should. I should go yeah. through on. And I would Legend like of Hell House and mm. have a look through. Yes, and credit where credit is due. Um, our being much more on track this evening and having all the facts in front of us and not bumbling our way through it is thanks to Adam yeah. making a fantastic set of notes that he's printed up and uh, and has steered this <laughs> trip this evening. So I very much mm. back him doing that from now on because. That's good, and well, stops us rambling for ages because we've well, like, run like, out of stuff to talk. Like, like, I, like I say, I was—I I just thought it was because it's weird because it's again, it's that thing where you think to yourself, "Oh, I know this film." Yeah, and yet, sort of stuff like the stuff about Eddie Powell wouldn't have known any of it. Uh, no. I definitely wouldn't have known any of that. Richard Matheson stuff. I mean, I know Richard Matheson, but it's like. I know him as a, uh, an author. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And, and, but then looking through, you. and it's yeah. like Jesus Christ! You know how many how many sort of screenplays and stuff he's done, especially sort of like a, a majority of them were like, well, that Lee loves that, Lee loves that, yeah. Lee loves that. You know, it was just insane. I am, but I'm one of those people. I think that's where my knowledge lacks is that I I watch a film, but I zone out during credits. So as you say, you know, you said to me Richard Matheson, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, he's a fantastic writer, he's done. But yeah, I've sat through those credits 15, 20 times, never even seen his name. Yeah, I know it's clearly, clearly I've done the same, yeah. And no idea. And that's why you need that that link, because I watch a film and I obsess over a film and I obsess over what happens in that mm. movie. But what, you know, you might say, oh, the, but the producer on that was the same producer on I had yeah. no idea. Who, as somebody said... Big Trouble in Little China, one of my all-time favourite films. Who wrote it? John Carpenter definitely directed it. Yeah, yeah but who wrote it? I think he probably did. <laughs> I have no idea. I just, I love the yeah. film. I could tell you every note of the soundtrack as well, but 
Yeah. yeah. But I suppose that's why this is great to do this with you. Yeah. Yeah, because it gives us a chance to really sit down and talk about not just watch the film and then go, that was a great film, let's move on. But you actually look at it mm. in depth and deconstruct it rather than just enjoying what's on the what's on the screen and and not delve well, into it. Well, really. I'm, I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to work on the research. Definitely, mm. research core up and running. <laughs> I will say one last thing though. I will not be back, but something will. I just fucking love that line. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us. No, no. Um, and we shall see you again soon. Zati, zata, galatim, galata. Like he said. <laughs>